Hi everyone, my name is Darren Griffith and you're very welcome to the 15th episode of the Lusk Athletic Club podcast, our last episode of the year. So we've covered off a full year of episodes and we've all really enjoyed working with uh, club members and all the fantastic guests that have appeared on the show. We've also grown our listenership and it's really amazing to see that people are listening in from so many different counties around Ireland and indeed countries around the world. So just by way of feedback, our five most popular episodes to date are first up, episode 12, which covered off performance psychology, marathon nutrition, and we had some pre-marathon Vox Pops. Next up, we had our very first episode, which was titled Lusk AC, Fit for Life Forever, and the Lusk 4 Mile. Our third most popular episode was the Lusk AC Dublin City Marathon 2023 debrief. Our fourth was the episode with Emmett Dunleavy, where we covered off marathon training and also we met our ladies track and field captain. And then our fifth most popular episode was the one that featured Katrina McKiernan and meet our Dublin City Marathon Pacer. So do check out these episodes if you haven't listened to them and check out all the other ones. They're all fantastic and there's, a, there's some really great content there. So hopefully also you do agree that we are at least trying to cater for the interests of your regular athletic club member. So we'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions and you can contact us at our new email address which is luskacpodcast at gmail.com and I'll add that uh, email address to the program notes. So moving on to this episode, we're really delighted to have club member Dwayne Moore as a guest on the podcast. Dwayne is highly regarded by many at Lusk AC and beyond and for many reasons. So next up, we have Colin Wall's interview with Dwayne. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Christmas podcast. Our guest this evening is uh, Dwayne Moore. Uh, Dwayne, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Colin. Uh, finally, you're, you're here. An absolute pri privilege on to have you on for the, the Christmas special. Um, so maybe you're well known for uh, putting up sessions on the club's app group or the WhatsApp messages. So maybe start by telling us a little bit about the, the man behind the sessions on club's app. Where are you from? Family, work, how long are you living in Lusk? Yeah, so I suppose I grew up in Dungarvan in County Waterford. I have five brothers, two sisters, and I'm the oldest in the family. Um, I played a lot of sports when I was younger, hurling, football, like you do in Waterford. Um, I, was, what was it, 1993, I came up to Dublin, trained to be a teacher. Um, and I suppose I haven't gone home since, even though my mother keeps expecting me to go down and get a job down there any day. Um, I married Susan, uh, met Susan, married Susan, um, with three kids together, uh, Ross, Finn, and Amy. Very proud of the three of them. They're all members of Lusk AC. Um, kind of tricked tricked them into it, really. We said we had family membership, so if ever you wanted to go running, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're there and you're more than welcome to, to go over. And they do. Uh, Ross is with Aidan and Orla's group. Um, so he does sprints and hurdles. Are they keen on it? Or? They love it, yeah. So Ross is really into it. Finn does pole vault. So he's with Seamus's group. Um, an unusual sport, but he loves it. And... He gets great attention there with Seamus, um, really devoted to it. And Amy, I suppose, uh, we kind of tricked her into it as well. Her friends were doing it and she went over more for the social element than anything else. But she reckons that Colin is the best coach in the club. Colin McNally, her coach. He's the best That's coach She in the club. says, definitely, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mark Early, Keith Green won't be happy with that news. That's it, yeah. Um, so, um, you've been running for a few years, so... Maybe we'll take it back to the start. So maybe how did you, what got you into running or what was the motivation and maybe what kept you going back for more when it, when you, when it started? Yeah, so like I said, I played hurling, mostly hurling and football when I grew up or when I was growing up. Um, lived just outside the town, so we were surrounded by fields. We were always out and about. It was an outdoors kind of lifestyle we led. Um, I didn't, wasn't part of an athletics club, but I suppose that kind of lifestyle is a good foundation for it. Um, my dad was always into the healthy lifestyle. Um, he refereed a lot, so he was always running for that and training for that. Were your parents uh, runners? 
No, they weren't. No, no. Uh, your mum? They, they took it your up. Your mum has stopped. No, they, raising your they took it up. Both <laughs> of them took it up late in life. Um, it's like I said, when I played hurling and football, it was midfield. So that's the type of person you are. You're running all over the place. Mm. So that's a natural foundation for it. When I was in second, our second class in primary school, uh, my teacher at the time was Tony Ryan, and he he was big into athletics. He was a, a top class runner. He finished sixth in the Dublin Marathon. He would have been competitive kind of with John Tracy, not competitive, but he would have been around John Tracy's era. Um, so growing up in Waterford with him as well, they would have been kind of um, running at the same time. So that was something that probably just put athletics in your mind as well. Um, and I suppose everybody has a purpose for running or a reason to start running. Um, you have people who the doctor might say, you need to get out and get some exercise, or there could be somebody who wants to lose a bit of weight. Or it could be just a, a circumstance in life that you, you decide you want to go running. Um, for us as a family, it was I had a brother who died in 2007. And for the 10 years after that, we did the Cork Relay Marathon as a family. Oh. And I suppose that was an introduction to running. Um, <clears throat> I was put out the front because I was seen as the fit one. And my dad wanted to see the journey home. So he took the... Oh, the, the glory, the glory, the glory the leg. The end, yeah, and everybody else <laughs> filled in in between. And I suppose that again showed the power of running. I kind of got my parents over a tough time um, and it helped certainly with that. Um, Is that what got you started? Or? Well, I kind of started running and then I was coming to the end of playing hurling. Like I played hurling for Port Marnock, Nave Marnog, and I was coming to the end of that. And you were part of a route, or you had a routine going for years where you trained Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, maybe a match on a Sunday. And you had that routine that was part of your lifestyle. Um, so when I was coming to the end, you need something to replace it. And, and running kind of seemed like a natural fit. I'd become principal of the school at the time as well, uh, St. David's. And somebody said, you need to find something to, for your, as your release. And uh, I definitely found running it was great for clearing the head. Mm. And where we live in Lusk, um, again, you're five minutes outside your front door and you're out country roads. And like that's in could, yeah, nature, you yeah. Kind of could be anywhere in the could country. Be anywhere, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's what got me into running, yeah. Yeah. Um, how many? You've run a few marathons now. How many? I've 15 marathons done at this stage, yeah, yeah. Okay. But my mum tells me she's won more than me done, so it's always a competitive yeah. edge there as well, yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> people who know you think, probably think you've always been fast. So, like, have you always been fast, or, or, or if not, how have you evolved into kind of a quick, yeah, a quick runner? The, the fast thing is like it's something I, I find uh, unusual that people label you as fast um, because if you're a five-hour marathoner and you run it in 4:50, you're fast. Okay, you're fast in your category and you're fast in your head. Um, so if, whether you're five hours, you're three hours, whether you're two thirty. It's all relative. The fast part is relative. And I think, I remember having a conversation with somebody after one of the marathons, one of the lads in the club, and he was nearly putting me on a pedestal. I think it was, I'd done 312 at the time. And he was putting you up on a pedestal. But like, if you think of all the people who ran faster than 312, they were all fast. For me, that was fast because it was my fastest marathon to that day. But for he, he, like he did it in 420 something. And for him, that was fast, and that was a huge achievement. And, and, like someone, might, and someone might have run 312 and been disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> but like, like I said to him, on the morning, we went into Dublin that morning, he had a target set for himself that he trained for. I had a target I set for myself, we trained for it. And they were both equally impressive because we both hit those targets. But to answer the question, I certainly know I wasn't always as fast as I'm considered now. My first marathon was 421. Viking Marathon down in Waterford. I thought it was Kipchoge going down. I didn't train at all. <laughs> I played hurling and I thought you why could rock need, up. Why would you need to train? Yeah, I thought you could rock up to a marathon and just do it. Gels, didn't even know what gels were. And I soon realized like for half the marathon. Did yeah, you even have proper was, gear? I remember no, one I of the last podcast, some basketball shoes and long pants. <laughs> yeah, no, it was football gear I was wearing. Like, <laughs> yeah. marathon, and I just thought my mum was doing it. So if she can do it, I can do it. And uh, yeah, I got a, a wide awakening there. Um, so no, so I progressed from 421 down to 340, down to 320, down to 315, 312, 308. So there were natural kind of steps. Yeah. Um, and then when you're getting closer, I got 303. So you thought that that sub three hour marathon might be a target, um, but that's a hard, they're hard minutes to knock off. Um, and it was only during COVID really that kind of that mindset kicked in. You had, you had to do something for your, for your headspace. 
I was doing a lot of running and I remember we were out for and, and walking because Susan she insisted on doing a family walk every day so I did my run but there was also the family walk which you were wrecked when you were going off doing it. Um, but I got a call on one of the days from Mo. Mo just said, listen, I've seen you on Strava. You're doing a lot of running. Would you like to put a bit of structure on that and train for a marathon and a good time in a marathon? And uh, he said, I'm happy to send you on some sessions. And that's where that kicked off from. So I threw myself into it. I love a structure. I love a plan. Um, and that was leading up to the virtual Dublin marathon. And again, on that day, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it apart from you, uh, Colin and Susan, obviously. <laughs> I told no one. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> off we went. It was around Lusk. It was country roads. And uh, now you make it sound roads. like I ran it with you. Just for, yeah. for everyone, I was on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a bike, yeah, absolutely. The words of encouragement going up the hills and that, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And again, you got back to the hub in Lusk and you thought you were finished, but you look at your watch and you still had whatever, 250 meters to go. So you have to jumping over cars and jumping over uh, the little uh, low fence there. And mm. that's the last thing you wanted with that distance to go. But I remember on that day, I just bawled crying. Once I got into the hub and I realized it was a reality, I just started sobbing. Mm. And I was glad that I had to run around to the far corner uh, in the hub where yeah, was, nobody could see me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, that more, was- More tough for you, I remember that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's how it came, that's how it came about. Mm. Like, that was the progression in-, in Yeah, because um, I remember that, I remember, I remember going around with you that day and um, geez, you, were in a, you were in a zone. Yeah, and like that's the thing you with, were, with you were just clicking, you were just clicking everything. The miles was very steady. Yeah, I think there was a difference of five minutes or five seconds per mile between the fastest and the slowest mile that day. You just got mm. into a into a rhythm, zone, yeah. yeah, rhythm. And um, so maybe what can you remember about your your first marathon experience? Say, okay, so the first marathon experience. There's two, I suppose. The first marathon experience was probably as a spectator. Um, like I said. My mom and dad, well, my dad was running anyway, but my mum, for the year after my brother died, it was kind of a, a lonely place for her. Um, she came to Dublin to see my dad doing the Dublin Marathon the following year, and she said, I'm gonna join at a running club, and I'm gonna do that next year. So the marathon was on a, a Monday. She went home, she went to our West Waterford Athletic Club was the, the local club at home. She went there and she met a girl she had been in school with over 50 years before that hadn't seen each other really in the 50 years and they become like twins around the local roads of Dungarvan and Waterford going off doing any race that's on um, they've done most of their marathons together um, but yeah I remember my, my mum's first marathon or one of her first marathons I was spectating at it I was out around Milltown it was probably the last time it was lashing raining previous to this year it was actually torrential rain and I had all the rain gear on and she was coming to the bottom of the, just the start of the hill in, I think it was just outside Milltown. And she said, come on, I need you here. So she caught my hand and I ran, I think it was six miles in. Um, we got to Trinity College because it went around that way at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my dad was having a tough day that day. So he was a few minutes behind her. So she wouldn't pass the finish line before my dad. She said, your dad is the guy who's into running. He's, it's running is his thing. So I'm gonna wait here for him. You go back and get him. So I went back, ran, ran, jogged out the road, and uh, my dad wasn't too far out there anyway. Um, I said, come on. And he was in his zone getting to the finish line. He was looking for the effort in the orange t-shirt. This was his thing, where's the fella in the orange t-shirt? So we were looking for this guy and we were chasing him down. Um, and there was no orange t-shirt, by the way, but it was just anybody in the distance. We got to Trinity and he kept running and left my mum sitting on the wall. <laughs> so we had the drag her up and the two of them actually did finish the finish. They finished it together, holding hands, crossing the finish line. Oh, that was yeah. kind of just the magic of, of, for me, the magic of the marathon. So that's my first experience of the marathon as a spectator. And my first one was as a runner wasn't a pleasurable experience. It was the one, it was the Waterford one. Got to halfway, there was a hill that went on for about a kilometre. There was a, this guy going up the hill, he was struggling. He was, I thought he was actually going to have a, a heart attack. So I stopped and helped him up to the top of the hill. Thought I did my good deed for the day and everything was rosy. Um, ran on for about 10 minutes and then they released all the half marathoners from the halfway stage. And all these fresh people come racing past you. Oh, and you're wondering what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, so they're racing past you and it gets in your head. I had set it up for my brother to meet me in Tremor. Um, and he was going to run the last six miles with me. Mm. We walked the last six miles, and uh, it's funny though how the 
the determination and that kicks in. The balloon was coming behind us. I think it was a four, whatever, 420 balloon was coming behind us. Mm. I said, there's no way that's going to pass me out. And I took off running and you find it from somewhere at that stage. But it was a lovely finish to a race. It was on the, the track in the RSC in Waterford. Um, oh, so yeah. it's, not, they don't, it's not in the city, is it not? They don't. Um, it's probably changed now, but back yeah. then, yeah, it was finished on the track, yeah. What year was that? 2013, I think. 10 years yeah. ago, sorry. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, well, apart from, you know, you, you mentioned a couple there. Any other memorable race moments or? Race moments? Um, I suppose, yeah, there's a few. Good or bad. There's a few, yeah, there's, I'll give you a good and a bad, I suppose. Um, we start with a bad one. Um, again, I've been running for a few years. I was with the club at this stage. Um, I decided we'd do the Cork Marathon. I actually trained a lot of it with you, Colm. Um, oh, yeah, we went yeah. down to Cork, yeah. We went down to Cork, okay, because we were going to take over Cork here. We were in good shape. We yeah, we well. thought we'd win it, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and again, it was that Kipchoge feeling that you thought you were as good as Kipchoge for halfway. Um, I got cramps and both quads at about 18 miles um, and there was a guy standing there um, obviously waiting for somebody to come through and he had gel, one of these magic gels or whatever. So he said, rub some of that into your legs there. So I did. Now he said, all you have to do is get up that hill. And I looked and I tried and there was no getting up that hill. So from 18 miles, you're looking at your watch and you're saying, oh no, this target is gone and your plan B is gone and your plan C is gone. And eventually I got to about, and my parents and family had seen me kind of up to that stage. So they said, oh, he's on for a good marathon here today. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're sitting on a wall with three miles to go. It was a glorious sunny day and you were nearly sunbathing. That was the height of your day. That was the, that was the best part <laughs> it of your was, day. Yeah, it was as good as it got really. It was as good as it got, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, listen, you said. I remember so, that, I yeah. remember that day. It was so, it was so hot. It was, it was really hot, was yeah. Horrendous. But you said, listen, I have to get to the finish area anyway. Mm. So I got up and started going again. And I keep getting reminded only by Colin because he was the only person there. But he said your parents actually carried you over the line that day. <laughs> but it shows. I love, I love. I love. I love. Dwayne just says it was just a family moment, yeah, and yeah, he, he yeah, wasn't yeah. being carried yeah. over. Proud, proud parents. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was that was a tough day at the office, but it was a, good, mm. a lot of learning in it. Like I did Dublin then after that, and had learned a lot from it, and, and, and probably learned to pace a little bit better. So that was a bad experience. Um, a good running experience. I think the day in Belfast that day, there's some days you just rock up to the start line and you know it's your day. Mm. Um, had trained really, really hard for that. All the runs, did every one of the sessions um, and felt really confident. I went up and I remember walking down the hill in Stormont in the fancy new Nike runners. And I said, there's nothing gonna stop me today. I'm just in that zone. You're smiling to yourself. And I smiled for the 26 miles. Um, not many marathons like that no it was just one of those days that, like I don't think I'll ever have a day like it mm. again on, on a on a run but um, yeah just that was just a everything day. clicked yeah everything clicked yeah and just speaking of the, the club like when did you join and why did you join okay um, again I was finishing hurling uh, I was finished hurling I suppose I joined in 2017 um, Nicole lives on my road so I had been out running myself um, I was training for the Dublin Marathon in 2016 and Nicole said, come on out and join the, the group. They're going out for a run at the, on the Sunday. I think my first long run was that horrible run where they ran over to, over to Rush, over to Scarries, out to Balbriggan. And you're wondering that how- was your first, that, that was, was your first, first run. run with the club, oh, yeah. What a nightmare start. Um, <laughs> and there was another one then the week after we went towards Ballybockle and Stephen Murta was actually on the same run. And Stephen had been living in Dungarvan for a while. So yeah. I didn't know him at the time. His wife is from Dungarvan and uh, just got chatting. Yeah, so I suppose once Nicole knew you were doing a bit of running and she was living on your, like our kids were in the same class. You know, you'd know chance. <laughs> Plus, I suppose, like I said, you're trying to fill the void that hurling had created um, when you give up hurling, and it just seemed like a natural thing to do. It was on my doorstep. You look out the front door, you see the hub. Um, yeah, and I suppose that was that was the main reason why I started. Yeah, and um, so what difference have you noticed in your running now, if any, since since you've joined the club? Um, I suppose you can't even quantify it. It's it's just been such a huge, huge jump in in the way you look at running. I suppose you're surrounded by like-minded people. When you were hurling, you were surrounded by hurling people. Now you're running, you're just surrounded by like-minded people. And I think the support and the drive that you get from within a group, and, and the club is full of full of super, super people who encourage you all the way. And if you want support, if you want help, 
there's people there to give it to you. Now, you didn't know that when you were joining, but like we, we used to go up to the school, um, the school car park, our, our warm up was in the car park. You get chatting to people, um, people you might have seen around Lusk or people you might have seen out running and all of a sudden you're part of that. Um, and I suppose as, as a hurler growing up, you've that competitive edge to you. And if you did a 421 marathon, you want to improve on that. Or if you did whatever kind of a race it was, you're, you're trying to improve. And the best way to improve is by running with people. I remember listening to um, an interview with John Tracy about what was the difference for him um, when he moved to America. And the big difference for him that made the biggest improvements for him was having roads to run on and having people of his ability to run with. So someday you'll be leading the pack out, you'll be driving people on. There's another day, there's, there's people driving you on. But I think one of the biggest things in the club at the moment is the conversations that are happening. So like the likes of Darren having conversations with you and Paddy and Eamon and all these people having conversations about running and different ways to go about it. I think that's just, it gives you an energy when you go out running. It gives you a, a, an enthusiasm for, for looking at it in new ways. And, and you can see ways, you can see improvements. Mm. And when you see improvements, you want to keep going at that. Whether it's whatever way that comes about, you kind of, you get stuck into it well, and you're happy to do that. Just following on from that, um, <clears throat> maybe tell us a bit of how you've noticed club training has evolved over the past few years. And because it has changed in the last, say, three years. And what sparked this change? Like I said, we, we, used, we used to meet up at the school um, <clears throat> car park. Eamon used to do his typical warm-up where everybody got barked into shape and everybody knew what, was, what they were meant to do. Missed them and missed, missed that, missed that yeah, a bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then we decide on what run we'd do, okay? Um, so it was only in the car park that we found out what we were going to do that night. Um, I think there's a few things that change. People started wearing watches and they like to map out their session beforehand. So what was happening is people were scrambling through their watches trying to set up what run they were doing that day. So we just said, listen, let's try and put a bit of structure on it so we can do that in advance. I remember myself and Eamon were on a run um, and we were obviously lots of runs, but having chats about what way we can, we could possibly improve things. There was a massive group of juveniles in the club and it's about looking at, at them and what they have to aspire to um, and putting the structure in place that like they're coming from the best coaching they could possibly have at the juvenile level. Just putting a structure in place that, that would encourage them to, to continue on in running. So that was the main reason for it, I suppose. And there was probably a selfish reason for it as well. Like you want to improve as a runner and the best way to improve is to put a bit of structure on it. Um, so remember we collared Nicole one night on a run and said, listen, Nicole, uh, we want to look at the, the adult section um, and how we can improve it. So we put that structure in place, a few of us, did some courses. I remember being on an endurance course with yourself. Yeah. And it's just so picking up knowledge about how to go about it. Um, and then a few of us, um, we, we, we got training plans that we followed ourselves and we kind of shared the knowledge that we learned from those. And, and that's how it probably came about to where we are at the moment now, where I suppose we look at, look at the year as 12 months and different blocks in the year. So at the moment we're looking at 5Ks, 10Ks and putting a plan in place um, for those races. It'll obviously evolve then as the year goes on towards marathon, yeah, but we, we break certain, it up yeah, into cycles. Certain right? races are picked as well. Yeah, so we look at target races that we want everybody in the club to do. Obviously, there's other races that, that people will target and want to do themselves, and that's fine, and we'll support them with that. But if we target some main key races that we want everybody to do, and we'll gear our training around that and our training blocks around that. It's worked for the last few years. I suppose there's always tweaks that we can make, um, but at the moment, it seems to work. And I suppose the biggest thing is we didn't want to lose the 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 kind of ethos and the the family mentality of the the initial days where everybody ran together and it didn't matter who was fastest or who was slowest we didn't want to lose that part of it um, but I suppose in order to get better you do need to, to push yourselves on a bit so if you go up to the club now on a Tuesday or Thursday night you'll see the groups there but they're all doing similar or the same sessions and that's what we wanted to have um, the, the, the faster athletes, obviously they can use the session and they can use the paces, they can use the recovery times, they can use the number of reps um, to push them on. The casual runner, the social runner who doesn't want to take part in competition but wants to be part of the club and wants to run, they're doing the same session just at their own ability and their own level. And, mm. and I think that's important that we didn't lose that. Um, we tried to have a few uh, events during the year where, where everybody's together. So that's what the Winter League was about there recently. 
it wasn't about who was the fastest, it was about who could get closest to their time and predicting their time run without their watch and try and get that time. Uh, we had a relay race during the year where they had to hold the hula hoop run, running around oh, yeah. and there was people from different levels and it was just and about... you need a bit of those fun little elements, yeah. it was elements, just about yeah. keeping people together, yeah. Yeah. And um, so you've sort of turned into a bit of a coach with your weekly sessions being posted onto the club page. Everyone eagerly awaits them on a Sunday <laughs> into the various groups. So like, do you have a coaching background or how did this start or, or what do you... Do you what do you enjoy about this? I suppose the first thing is just going back to the weekly sessions, okay? The only person who complained about this week's session was Colin. He sent me a message first. <laughs> you, you, said we keep that, that. <laughs> you said you keep that confidential. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving on from that, um, I suppose in terms of coaching, my background in coaching is in hurling, okay? So I would have been involved with, with club teams, with Dublin, um, Dublin hurling teams, um, and I loved it. Like, and I, I saw myself really as a hurling coach. Um, I worked with some of the best players in Dublin and uh, it was a privilege okay but you're looking at improving them as individuals and as a team and for me that's what a coach is okay so when I look at myself or what I'm considered to be a coach in athletics I don't actually see myself as a coach I think to be a coach you need to know the people you need to be working on their specifics um, whereas like I said earlier I'd see myself more as a facilitator of training and training plans and and gearing towards um, target races no, there's elements of coaching in that, absolutely. And is there any crossover between a hurling coach, athletics coach, or you know, oh, there is, skills? Like, I suppose when, when I was with <laughs> when I was with the the Dublin Under Twenty One squad, um, we were based in DCU, and we had the high performance gym there, and we had uh, strength and conditioning coaches there. We people from Santry Sports Clinic there, so you're picking up nuggets from them all the time. Um, I suppose, but the biggest crossover is in order to coach, you need to look at what's needed to bring people to the next level. I love looking at sessions. I love looking at what session we could do um, that will improve your 5K time, your 10K time, up to marathon times. Um, and it's not that I have a fountain of knowledge or anything that I research it. We look up, I chat to people about it. What, like I, 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 if, if we have a session for the week, I'd send it off to somebody saying, what do you think of that? Um, how do you think the group would work with that? So there is definitely crossover, but the biggest one is the preparation and the looking at sessions and, and what, what's needed to to bring people to the next level because that's what it's all about um, running towards a target trying to improve a little bit um, but yeah the word coach I suppose to be a coach you need to know what makes people tick what what their needs are what their strengths are when they need to pull back um, so basically yeah and when you're working with a group that's so um, that varies so in abilities and stuff like that it's hard to be a coach but you are a facilitator for sessions and and helping people get towards their towards their goals I suppose that mm. would be the main Do you enjoy that part of absolutely love it but I come from a family like my, my, my dad and my brother would be high level coaches in hurling throughout Munster like they look at the and when I say coach they're looking at the fine details of the skills of the game they're looking at how that they're looking at players and and how that's um how that works for them what they need to improve on they're looking at the small technical details whereas for what we have in the club and what we need in the club, we don't need that really at the moment. We need what we have. We need, we need to be putting structures in place for people to go and train and, and, and train towards a target. But I think we don't want to lose that whole, whole group uh, element of it. I think that's important. Yeah. Do you think, we, do you think that, that kind of fun, casual element is, is still very much part of the club? I think so, yeah, I think so. Um, I hope so as well. Um, I suppose you don't want to lose, like I say, you don't want to lose that between lose the, that, yeah. the seriousness of yeah. the sessions and yeah. training for events. You know, just Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think people enjoy the seriousness of it as well. I think there's groups of people who love knowing the plan for the next eight weeks and mm. what we're gearing towards. So we're gearing towards the Jingle Bells, we're gearing towards Rohini 5 Mile, or we're gearing towards the Lusk 4 Mile, and we're putting a block of work in for that. Now, pe people love that. But I think, it's, like I said, it's very important that the, the casual runner or the non-competitive runner who, who's not interested in competing, that they still have... Like, uh, Veronica, who won Club Coach of the Year this year, Adult Club Coach of the Year, the phrase that was used in describing as her is, nobody's left behind. And yeah. that's, that's important. And I think that's the ethos of the club. And that's, that's a very, very important part of it. And if you look at the Winter League, it ranged from lads who were 12 years of age up to the older members of the club. And it didn't matter who was the fastest, like the fastest guy was doing it in nine minutes and 20 seconds. It didn't matter how slow the slowest person was doing it. If they were within a second or 10 seconds of their time, they had the better week. Um, yeah. So it was geared towards that. And it was the fun element of running, 
people having to take off their watch if it doesn't if it's not on Strava it doesn't count in people's heads yeah. but yeah they find out that yeah, yeah learning to run without your watch and it was amazing like the second last week of it there were 13 of the runners got within 10 seconds of their predicted time like that's huge like in the first week there were minutes off there were 13 people who were within 10 seconds of their, of yeah, their I think you learn to you learn to run by feel and yeah and it's important after thing, you know. after a while yeah you know. you'll find some of the people who did it um over the weeks okay so there would have been some of the runners who said i'm going to have a real easy week and then going for go for 15 minutes instead of 11 30. and they found that really really hard because when you're running your natural pace and your natural rhythm you get into a flow when you're trying to slow it down and run slower it's harder yeah, isn't it i remember it's talking hard, yeah. to derek after the, he kept looking at his wrist looking for his watch because that's what we do we we, we, we we're yeah. We're guided by our watches these days, and and they, they have a very important part to play, absolutely. But sometimes it's good to to hide the watch. Put it away. Yeah. So, Dwayne, maybe can we touch on that period that you said you were injured um, for eighteen months? Um, like, well, how, what what was the matter that you were in for so long? Yeah, I suppose injuries were the the age profile that we are, I suppose, and and a lot of us coming to running late we're going to pick up niggles and especially when we show the improvements that we have so we're starting off at a base and, and there's massive improvements in in where we are at running now i suppose um i grew up playing hurling and if you were injured you tied yourself together to play the next match there wasn't any of this kind of looking after your, yourself with physios and that kind of thing at the time so that's the mentality that you have then and i'd say a lot of us find ourselves running through niggles and running through injuries and it comes to a point then that you've probably done too much and you can't reverse it. My injury uh, at the last, the latest injury was a, a stretch fracture and a chip bone on my knee. And it was brought about as a, an old hurling injury. And that injury itself, I suppose, wasn't so bad. Well, not that it wasn't so bad, but it's treatable. But it's the effects that it has then on other parts because you were running with it. It only came about or it only came to the fore, I suppose, with the volume of training and the intensity of training. You didn't know you had it there. Um, so that means is after getting to a stage where it's painful and it's very hard then to reverse that. So you're, you're spending money going to physios, you're going to sanitary sports clinic, getting your treatments there. Um, and you don't see light at the end of the tunnel because, for, well, for me anyway, personally, I was never good at the gym stuff or the strength and conditioning stuff. Um, it's something that is definitely on my to-do list. Um, but an injury like that changes the dynamics of how you run. It, for me, it caused glute injuries and you were running. I, I remember going for a run, run one day and I said, okay, I'll warm up into it. Um, but the soreness wasn't going away. And I just said, right, it's time to stop now. And I walked home and... How do you feel? It's a when, tough place you know? mentally because you see all these people around you and they're training so well for something and, and you were part of that and you know that now there's a barrier there. I'm not going to get to Dublin Marathon. This year was, was in my head. Um, I'm not going to get there. I went in and I supported at the Dublin Marathon last year. I cycled around and you know full well you're after coming off the greatest high the previous year, knowing that you could make improvements or that, 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 that this is the opportune time now to, to get stuck into a plan and, and go after another PB. Um, so yeah, it's mentally hard and it's it's interesting that anytime you go to a physio now or, or something like that, the first thing they check in with you is how's your mental health not being able to run. Um, it's kind of, I hadn't noticed that before, but that's something that they definitely talk about now. Well, what, did, see, what did you do to cope, Wayne? Or, you know, if you're out for so long, in your head you're a runner. And so what yeah, did you do? Listen, I'd say Susan is probably the best person to talk about because mm. I, I wouldn't imagine I was the... It wasn't the easiest to live with. Just that you were quiet in yourself. Um, you were, you were feeling down about it. I suppose for me, I was lucky enough because I still had that contact. I was still putting out plans. I was still helping people and supporting people. With like people would 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 ask you for. Well, I'm going after a sub twenty minute ten k or five k. Um, any advice for me? So you're still got that link. And every Sunday, like I'd spend an hour or two looking at what we put up for the next week. Uh, you're linking in with the club captains. Um, you're linking in with the, the group leaders for the marathons and stuff like that. So I, I, had, I had that contact and people asked, is that hard? You're not running yourself and you're helping people still. And like, again, personally, it was hard not running, but I do get great satisfaction out of helping other people run and seeing them achieve stuff and going on race day and cheering somebody up the hill. Like I remember somebody telling me after the Dublin Marathon, um, 
when I was in supporting that they saw the the passion in my eyes cheering them up heartbreak kill or up and and that's true like and that that, that, that certainly does help you there's, yeah. there's no substitute for not running but it definitely gives you the desire to get back running it, it, it like 12 weeks out from Dublin this year I wasn't doing it and I went on a training run with the 330 group um, they were doing their long run over towards um, Ballybockle direction and I just said I'd go with them on the day and that was what gave me the right let's let's get whatever I have to do let's get that done in the next 12 weeks um, to do the marathon so it was that that morning and I said it to the group before the marathon and the, the chat we had at the hub that night that's what got me to the start line was just seeing the people around me like that um, and that stuff they were doing and wanting to be part of it. Yeah. Did you do anything else as a, as a, for your own headspace? Exercise-wise, no. And if I had time back, I would. Um, I, tried to do the, I, I tried to do the static um, bike and it just didn't work. Because with your knee, every, every time you did a, did a pedal on it, it's extending your knee and bending your knee and that, that didn't help at all. It actually made it worse for me. Um, yeah, right, you so you couldn't even yeah, do I, I didn't do that. I don't know was it I couldn't do it, but for me, it got in my head, no, I can't do that, it's going to make it worse, and all I want to do is get back running. If I had my time over again, I certainly would have done, well, I would have tried to learn to swim or something like that, just to, to get some exercise. I'm lucky enough, I don't put on weight anyway, so it wasn't a weight issue or anything like that, it was just a headspace issue. Yeah, look at you. There um, you go. <laughs> <laughs> like anybody who's listening now who's a runner is going to get injured. Um, yeah. What advice would you give to somebody, you know, who, you know, who gets injured is going to be out for eight, ten, twelve weeks, and is very down about it? And you know, uh, what advice would you have for somebody on how to get through it best? You know, or what to do? Should they do something else? Take up another sport, or what would you say to them? For me, I think I would definitely say try and cut it off before it happens okay so definitely get on board with the snc stuff now okay it's not going to prevent all injuries but it will certainly give you the best chance possible if you do happen to get injured get to a physio and get a plan okay because if you're following a plan for snc or for recovery you're still part of a plan and this the other thing i would do is i'd stay in contact with the club whether it's going up to help out with the juveniles whether it's going up um, on the tuesday night just to touch base with people before they go off for their run or time them when they're doing their their reps or something like that just stay that contact with people is vital okay and it's something that i try to do now as well as if there is somebody injured you try to touch base with them not to pester them or to look for information but just to say listen if you need anything Send us, a, send us a message or whatever, pick up the phone, give us a chat or whatever. It's just that contact with people is the important thing, you know, if, yeah, if you're in that space. Yeah. You know, you're not going to avoid injuries. We're all going to pick up injuries, um, but it's just managing it, yeah. And, and, and set yourself a target, okay, I want to get to whatever race it might be. I want to give myself a chance, not to race it even, but just to run it. Okay, yeah, that sounds like pretty good advice for anybody who's, like, we all get injured from time to time. Um, so we'll have a, maybe the quick fire round, uh, Dwayne. Um, so your most exotic or memorable race? Um, I did the Killarney Marathon one time. Um, Is that an that, adventure race? Is that an adventure? No, no, it was, it was around the lakes. It was four laps around the lakes of Killarney. It was like an East of Ireland type vibe to it. Um, there might have been maybe 300 runners in it. And I remember, I wasn't expecting this now, but after the first minute or two, I found myself running with this guy up at the front and there was nobody around us. And it wasn't that we were running that fast or anything like that. I found it bizarre. I was not expecting to be up that, 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 up at that level or that, that area of the race. Your man had his sunglasses on and he was in the zone. He was looking straight ahead. He wouldn't engage in any way whatsoever. And after a mile or two, I just kind of popped the question, what are you aiming for today? And he said, 250. And I said, okay. So, well, you needn't worry about me because my PB is whatever it was, 315 at the time. And he just ran and chatted for a little while. Um, I follow him on Stra or on um, Twitter, just kind of followed him afterwards. Like, he's a sub-230 marathoner. Um, he's a serious, serious guy. He's after doing the, all the majors. Um, but while I was competition, he was in the zone and he wouldn't talk to me. He didn't want to engage at all. Um, and he tried to convince me, he said, would you not give it a go today? Because you never know what you can do or you never know your limits until you, you test them. But I found that run bizarre. Like it was in the park, so you were running on your own for a lot of it at that stage. Um, you were passing out the Americans on the, 
the back of the carts and they thought, what's going on here? These, these <laughs> yeah. lads racing past it. And it was just beautiful sunny day. It was just one of those... Oh, no, find yeah. a place to run. That's as exotic as it goes. There's yeah. another race, actually, the, the Greenway Half Marathon in, in Waterford. You love that one, It's an amazing you? race. Yeah. It's, it's on the Greenway, obviously. A lovely photograph of home. There's at home, um, there's myself and the Lost Top and there's three others. Um, one of the other guys I was chatting to and his brother does the Runner's Diary podcast um, just gone chatting to him and he was he was bigging up his brother t- talking about his brother being a great runner and stuff like that but there's a great photograph just as you come around the bend the sea is on your left hand side you can see the cliffs is black and white and it just looks like a lovely photograph with Lust Top standing out um, so that that's not exotic but it was yeah, sure, when you're from Waterford it's exotic yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what's a typical uh, training week uh, look for you now? How many Ks or miles would you run? Uh, I suppose it varies from the time of the year. Um, like I was unfortunate, I was out for about 18 months injury-wise. So the block leading up to Dublin, I was trying to be conservative and manage it. Um, and that's a whole different story is the conversation on injuries and injury prevention is something we all need to, to work on, I think. Um, but yeah, so around uh, when you're training for marathons, when I was training for the fastest marathon that I did, you'd be talking 80 plus miles a week. Um, mm. Last week, it was, what was it, 50 something miles a week or 50 something miles last week. Um, yeah, I just kind of yeah. dialed it in. I tried to make my shortest run no shorter than eight miles when I'm in a zone like that, which are two sessions, your Tuesday session, Thursday session, and then your long run at the weekend so yeah typically yeah. kind of 50 miles a week at this stage yeah. favourite place to train I suppose we're lucky in Lusk once like I said if you go five minutes outside you're heading towards Ballybockle you're heading towards Rush you're heading towards Loch Shinny uh, you're heading towards Baldongan we're, we're blessed with with country roads with lots of hills um, but I suppose something or a, it, it's, it's not one that stands out for scenery or anything like that but in the training uh, blocks for marathons I've been doing there's a five mile loop from my house through the estates, loops back on yourself and comes to the front door. So I remember doing one of the 20 mile runs in preparation for Dublin. And you run past the same houses probably eight times and they're wondering, it's early in the morning, what's this lad clomping <laughs> up and down the road? But it's handy for leaving out water and stuff like that. And I just, again, mentally as well, you're running past your front door eight times on a run. And the easiest thing to do is stop. But you get through that and yeah, I, I use it for psych, psychologically kind of, pushing myself that way as well all right any race uh, any race superstitions race superstitions um i suppose on the morning of the marathon since we started going in on the bus in dublin i sit on the same seat and i don't know people might have observed that i'm, I'm nearly ignorant and rude at the top of the line to get on the bus first to make sure i get that seat it's right behind the bus driver um so if anybody's looking for it next year i have it booked already <laughs> um so that's probably the main superstition i tried to eat the same things there was a time when i was trying to use the same pins because i convinced myself they were my lucky pins um but yeah they go worse right. to okay yeah. um so what's on the calendar now or what are the running goals for the new year um i suppose coming off the 12 week block for dublin marathon with injury kind of leading into it I've been conscious to manage it and not go crazy but you get sucked in straight away like after a marathon is the best time I suppose to prepare for your next race because you're you've got that base built up already um building towards the usuals the Rohini five mile the Lusk four mile the Dungarvan ten mile the John Tracy ten mile in Dungarvan is one I did a few years ago I loved it when's that Actually, it's my hometown uh that's the 4th of February so there's a few of us going down from the club to do that um so I look forward to that um, I suppose then the club were going to go and do the Garristown 10k. Um, it was a great run last year. I think half the field was nearly from Lusk. We gave it a right lash mm. and we had great fun out there. It was the first time actually since I finished playing hurling that I felt that competitive edge again. Uh, you're at the start line, there's the team element of it and I loved it. So that Garristown race and then I will be kind of putting everything else to the side. I know it's a long way out from Valencia but I'm going to hopefully get a great block of training for Valencia Marathon next year. There's a few of us again from the club going over to do it. That's November 2024, is that it? That is the 1st of December 2024. I know it's oh. way off, but yeah. I suppose I want to try and go after a PB there. All things going well, injury-wise. Oh, very good. Best luck with that. Listen, Dwayne, thanks very much for coming in. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been very interesting. We're delighted to have you on for... Uh, Darren was very excited to get you on for the Christmas special and uh, I'm sure everyone, uh, it's a very interesting chat. I'm sure a lot of people will get something out of it. It's an absolute pleasure and just again going back to things in the club like Darren 
mentioned about doing a podcast and, and people often talk about doing things, but he put it into, he, he, he did the work and came back to Nicole and said, listen, I have this, this plan. It's a good idea. But he didn't just leave it as talk. He made it happen. And, and it's been a huge addition to the club this year. The last 12 months, just the people you've on, the, the, the club people who've shared stories and I suppose the, the people from outside the club who brought something special as well and something that we can all take from. So fair play to Darren and Julie and Colm and, and the crew. It's been brilliant and fair play. Great. All right. Thanks for coming in, Dwayne. Not at all. Really great interview. Fair play to Colm also for getting Dwayne on as a guest. Colm clearly has greater powers of persuasion than I do. Great stuff. So next up, we have some voice notes from club members covering off favorite podcast moments, some of their club highlights of the year, and also some tips that were shared throughout the year. Also, the last voice note is from Nicole Hodson, our club chairperson. Hi, my name is Carl Henry. Uh, club highlight of the year for me was definitely Dublin City Marathon Day. You know, running is a very individual event, but, you know, that day I really felt part of a team. Uh, just an amazing day out, you know, as a club, you know, as a club. Um, so little things from, you know, Keith, you know, driving us into Lust that morning, you know, dropping us off of the bus, you know, crack it on. You know, we had Nicole and others there wishing us luck before we travel into town. And then, you know, the support along the route was, you know, it was just amazing. Like it, made, it makes such a difference when you're running. Um, it was just, you know, brilliant club day out. Well done to everyone. My name is Emma P, club member. Highlights of 2023 include the Outdoor League in Santry Stadium. Such a fun day out with track and field and it was amazing to run on the brand new track there. Um, second of all, it's Jingle Bells. Great atmosphere at this race. It was so lovely to train with the 5k group in the lead up to this race and see all the fantastic results. And third of all, of course, is the highlight all year. The best hills in Ardgillen, training every Sunday with gorgeous views, great people, while getting in a strength workout on those hills. Keith Green here. Um, so firstly, congratulations, big congratulations to you and the team for what has been a, a hugely successful venture into the world of podcasts. Um, I know I and anybody who's listened to them really has found them to be really, really interesting, hugely beneficial and uh, a really worthwhile venture. So again, very well done to yourself and uh, all the the team that have sat behind making them such a worthwhile uh, um, yeah, venture. So three things maybe from my perspective. Uh, best episode of the year for me, I felt was the uh, the the episode where Mark Dunn um, spoke about um, his diagnosis with uh, type one diabetes and how rather than taking it as a knock, he used it as a, a motivating force and went on to achieve great things, including a couple of sub three marathons. So I felt the message that sat behind that for anybody who had faced a, a challenging diagnosis in terms of um, facing it down as best he could and, um, you know, turning it into a positive, I thought was a, a really important message. Um, maybe best advice I can give to anybody that the best advice that I was ever given was to really be respectfully selfish on race day and what I mean by that is your race is your race so don't let anybody kind of scupper your plans don't um, yeah don't let anybody kind of dictate your race you've trained for your individual race so you go out and races you will be and probably the, the the blunt phrase that i had heard to describe it before was uh, anybody else who's running alongside you they're dead to you on that day they are of no value to you other than if they can kind of um I, I don't know if they're pacing or something like that but really your race is your race don't let anybody hold you back and then in terms of highlights, uh, two big highlights, actually, I guess, aside from the Lusk four miler would be I went in to watch the marathon for the first time as a spectator this year and to watch it from outside the ropes was nothing short of outstanding to see all your club mates who've trained so hard and put so much effort into it. Delivering on race day was truly inspiring. It was an incredible sight and to cheer them on was a real privilege. Um, from a personal perspective then the highlight of the year 
I'm going to say it because it was the most recent. I think the Jingle Bells race to see 30-odd of our uh, club members turn out and deliver some superb performances and the camaraderie and uh, goodwill at the end was nothing short of exceptional, but it, we see that on every race day and it really is what makes being part of our club so special. So again, well done to you. Well done to all the gang who've uh, produced such a marvellous uh, thing in the podcast and best wishes for 2024. Thank you. Hi, Pat Whelan here, club member uh, about three years. Very, very difficult to make a, a choice, a selection of uh, uh, from the podcast uh, because they're all they're all so really good and give a great insight and background into members and and such information behind the club. But episode fourteen, the interview with Colum Wall and uh, our club men's captain uh, Keith Green. I thought they articulated uh, what the club was about and how it's for everybody and there was a real clear message about the type of atmosphere and uh, openness in the club for anyone to join and to try and to just experience it. A couple of tips that I've received, there's never never shortage of uh, tips from uh, members of the club to share with you, but uh, one of the first, is more an encouragement sort of tip, and that was from my own gains, to come out of my comfort zone and to try uh, faster groups, which is what I did, and uh, then along the way, some of the group I've ran with, they, you know, run with faster people, you'll become faster. Uh, it pretty much happened, which is great. I've had a, a, an awesome year and following a plan in place by a, a super captain, uh, Keith, and uh, following that plan has, has taken me to levels that I didn't think uh, I could achieve, being honest with you. So, yeah, that's that's me sharing some of my tips for the podcast. Uh, some club highlights, club highlights for me, 2023 DCM two runners in particular two female athletes super athletes uh, super runners and uh, first one Karen Green to break 330 after having such a a fight with it last year to get over the line and to just rebuild ourselves and and get in on that uh, time was just amazing and Una Gaines then to I think it was 316 it's it's just off the Richter scale and it's super running and an amazing commitment to to uh, to follow on a plan as well thank you hi everyone as we close out a very successful 2023 for the club I would like to wish you and your family a wonderful Christmas and enjoy your break don't forget to come out on St. Stephen's Day for our charity 5K at 12 p.m. in the Hub. This year we are supporting St. Vincent de Paul. Then on the 28th, we'll have our Hollyberry 5 and 10K at 10 a.m. from the Village Green. All welcome. We are very much looking forward to 2024 and to see what it brings for us in Luskacy. Thank you. Thank you as always for tuning in. We really appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Dwayne Moore, and also Keith, Pat, Carl, Emma and Nicole for their voice notes. Rest assured also we've got some really great ideas for next year's episodes, so I hope you're looking forward to those. I'd also like to finish by thanking the Lusk AC podcast team, Colin Brown, Julie Griffith, Nicole Hodson, Dwayne Moore, Sean Smith and Colin Wall. And finally, Merry Christmas and a very happy new year from all at Lusk AC.